Can we stand together this morning? We are in a series called The Holy Spirit and You in the book of Acts, and we're in Acts 19. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your word. Would you give us hearts to receive everything you want to speak? Hide me behind your cross. Holy Spirit, fill this place, we pray, and do whatever you want to do. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So today's message is titled, The Authority of Intimacy. We, Chris last week preached in Acts 17, Acts 18. Paul goes to Corinth, and he meets Priscilla and Aquila, and there's a lot of trouble in Corinth, but the Lord appears to Paul in a vision at night and says, I've got many people in this city, continue to preach here. So Paul stays there for a year and a half. Then he goes back, him and Silas go back to Antioch. Second missionary journey is done. In the meantime, Priscilla and Aquila go to Ephesus and meet Apollo, who, who becomes another great leader in the church. And uh, in Acts 19, Paul comes to Ephesus just when Apollo is going to Corinth. And he, this is, this is where our story picks up. Point, point one is Paul's reputation. So here's what happened when Paul came to Ephesus. He started, as usual, speaking in synagogues for about the first three months. That's where he spoke, was the synagogue. Then he rented this hall called the Tyrannus Hall in Ephesus, and he preached there for two years. And it was during this time that these extraordinary miracles were happening. The Bible, the Bible says in uh, Jesus says in Mark 16 um, that, that, or I'm sorry, the Bible just says, as they went preaching the word of God, God confirmed the word with signs and wonders. So there are extraordinary miracles happening 
as Paul preaches. And his reputation and the reputation that, 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 that is all about Jesus. Paul's preaching, Paul preached Christ crucified. Jesus died on that cross to defeat the devil, to defeat darkness, to provide forgiveness of sins. And he's preaching this, and as he's preaching, he's praying for people, he's praying for these handkerchiefs, and extraordinary miracles are happening. And the word of God, it says, right before our text, that it went to all Asia from there. That, that the word went out and as the word was being preached and miracles were happening, it was really an explosion all over um, Asia. So these Jewish exorcists have heard of Paul. They heard of his success and they're trying to copy what works. So they are casting out demons in the, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. We don't know if they had just heard about this or if they had actually been there when Paul cast out a demon, but we have one instance in Acts 16 where Paul casts a demon out. It says that this uh, woman that was possessed by a demon kept, kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Just like Jesus, Paul didn't pray that the demon would leave. He commanded it to leave. Jesus walked in authority and then he left his authority over demons. It's the first sign that he gave that would follow believers. Mark 16, verse 17, in my name, you will cast out demons. That, that, that Paul exercised demons by the name of Jesus. So these guys are, have, have, Paul's got this reputation. They've heard about it. So they're trying it. Um, but the demons also know about Paul. They say, we, we know Jesus. Did you know the demons believe in Jesus? It's, it says it in, Acts, in James 2, 19. It says that the demons believe and shudder. But James is talking about people that, that have faith that is not accompanied by works, that that faith is useless, very much like the faith of demons. They believe um, in a way, but they, they shudder. They know all about Jesus. They know all about what he did. And, and then they say this, and we've heard of Paul. We know Jesus, and we've heard of Paul. Apparently, demons talk to each other. And on the demon circuit, the word was out, Paul is trouble. They, they, they've heard about Paul. They have, they've got some experience with Paul. There's somebody on earth that is walking in the authority that Jesus left. Somebody that understands the authority. Somebody that's using the authority. He is trouble. Watch out. We know, we know about Paul. So this raises a question. 
What does hell think of? What is the talk in hell about you? Did you know that every believer is light? But sometimes we are diffused light. We're, we're, we're harmless. We're like a light bulb. There, you don't have to worry. You know, don't turn that light bulb on. It might hurt somebody. No, light is it's so diffused that it doesn't hurt anyone. Paul was like a laser beam. All a laser beam is is concentrated light. Paul was so intimate with Jesus that he was like a laser beam against anything hell was doing. Paul had a reputation among people, and he had a a, a reputation among demons. That's point one. Here's point two. Trying to use authority without intimacy. So they try to use the method that Paul had of getting out demons without having the relationship that Paul had with Jesus. And they end up having a, reser- a reverse exorcism. Instead of, instead of them, them getting the demons out, they, the demon kicked them out. And they were publicly humiliated. And, and it was a mess. What are they trying to do? They're trying to use a formula to get rid of darkness. They're trying to use... S- They're trying to use God. They're trying to manipulate God. It's very similar to Hophni and Phinehas in the Old Testament in the book of Samuel. These were some priests that were very compromised. They were were sleeping with women. They were um, taking sacrifices illegally. They were doing all this stuff. But they were the, the priests. And the Philistines attacked Israel. And so Hophni and Phinehas get the ark. And they're like going to use the ark as like this weapon against them, but they have no relationship. There's no holiness. And instead of Israel winning, the ark is captured. The Israelites are defeated and Hophni and Phinehas die. God will not be used or manipulated for our purposes. I had a very confusing meeting on the campus mall. I had just become a Christian. We were very excited about Jesus. We were down there every Saturday night witnessing to people, and I had this one-on-one with this woman, and she explained to me that she had tried Jesus, but Jesus didn't work. So she's like, I've already tried Jesus. He didn't work. She walks away, I am utterly confused as a young believer. How can you try Jesus and he not work? I knew what God had done in my life. I knew how God had touched my life. And it was one of the very first times that I felt like God spoke to me. Here was, here was the message that came into my mind. Just this sentence as clear as could be. She never followed me. She tried to get me to follow her. She never followed me. She tried to get me to follow her. I think that's what a lot of people do. 
They want help in their life. People want to be forgiven of their sins. They want to go to heaven when they die. (laughs) So bring it on, Jesus. I love that our sign, come as you are. I love that God loves us just as we are. I love that we don't have to pretend or perform. We get to come and we get to come to Jesus just how we are. But it's not going to work unless you let him come just as he is. And he's not just a savior that forgives. He needs to be the Lord that leads. So I want to give you another instance of authority, trying to have authority without intimacy. And this one is in Mark chapter 9. First, we have Mark 6, 7. Calling the 12 to him, this is Jesus, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. So the disciples, we've got it right here, right from Jesus, they have authority over demons. Now, fast forward to chapter 9, verse 18. Um, James, John, and Peter have gone up the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. They've had this glorious experience. They come down the mountain, and they they find this argument going on by his disciples and this father who's got a boy that's demon-possessed and they can't get out the demon. Here's what it says. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Now, this is confusing. They have authority, 6-7, they've been given authority, and they're trying to exercise that authority, and it's not working. So here we have it in verse 28 and 29. When he had come, so Jesus cast the demon out, and then they come back to the house. When When he had come back into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. But Jesus didn't fast and pray. So the fasting and the prayer is not about if we do enough stuff, we can get demons out. Fasting and prayer is not about the devil and trying to get the devil out. Fasting and prayer has to do with intimacy, has to do with our intimacy with God. The the authority comes in Jesus' name and our intimacy with Jesus as we use his name. In February, I'm sorry, in uh, 1997, it was the spring actually of 1997, Shane Holden, who's coming here next week, he's going to do Sunday night service for us. Him and I, he was my youth pastor in Boston. 
we went down to Kansas City for a leadership conference, and it was the glory of God. It was the power of God. It was amazing, and they were at that time calling us to a 40-day fast. And they're calling the whole nation to a 40-day fast for America, and um, I was not going to do a 40-day fast. I'm like, are you kidding me? You could die on a 40-day fast. I am not. There's no way unless God himself calls me to do a 40-day fast, will I do a 40-day fast? And so we're on our way back, and... uh, we stop at this McDonald's, and yeah, I'm not recommending it, but that is our, my favorite place. Um, and there is this lady there that is demon-possessed in McDonald's. And there's, there's kind of a scene there with her and the management, and um, so Shane and I are there. We've just come out of this power the power of God, the glory of God, the presence of God. And here's what we did. Nothing. We were little puppy dogs. We, we got out of there. We're, we're on our way. And all of a sudden, it occurs to us what frauds we are. That we, we've got all this talk. We've got all the, and, we, and then we have an actual chance to have an encounter. We did nothing. And so we decided that we would do this 40-day fast. We, that we, we need to do this 40-day fast to get the power of God so that we can cast out demons. And so we, we go on this 40-day fast. And I called our church to somehow be part of the 40-day fast. And, and it was, but it was all about power. It was all about power for healing, power to cast out demons, and that was, that was the main focus of the fast. So I am on day 20 of the fast. And I remember walking out on my porch. I'm, I'm leaving my front door and I'm going to our porch swing. And the Lord speaks to me. It's one sentence. And here's the sentence. I never want your public anointing to be greater than your private devotion. That's the sentence. I never want your public anointing to be greater than your private devotion. Now, with that sentence came a realization that my public anointing was already greater than my private devotion. I was already at risk. Whenever you've got more power than you have devotion, when you, whenever you have more anointing than a devotion that can sustain it, you are in, you're at risk of, of getting deceived. You're at risk of power corrupting you. You're at risk of you've got a little too much power for the intimacy that can sustain it. And it just, it radically changed my fast. The next 20 days were all about intimacy. I, I knew what God was saying to me was, I want to pour out my power. I want to do more. But I don't want to lose you in the process. So instead of you trying to get more power to come, you deepen your intimacy. Focus on intimacy. And I will give you and release you into my power. Here's Mark 3, 14 and 15. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. 
and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. God has chosen you first and foremost to have to be with him. This is the first place to be with him. He has died on a cross so that not just so that you could be forgiven of your sins and so that you could go to heaven someday, he died on the cross so that you and I could be with him right now, every day. And then from that place of with him, from that place of intimacy comes this witness of preaching and this authority to cast out demons. All right, last point. Growing in the authority of intimacy. I want to read John 14, 12 through 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And so this is why we pray in Jesus' name. This is why we end our prayers. And in Jesus' name, amen. We, we, we pray whatever we're praying, and then we add this postscript of Jesus' name. And because of this promise, he's going to do it because we prayed in his name. And we've, we often use Jesus' name very much like the seven sons of Sceva. It's this little magic formula that we, we, this is how you pray. You add Jesus' name and somehow that, that, that makes it work. And mm, that's not actually what it means to ask in his name. To ask in his name is to ask for his reputation, for his kingdom's sake, for his purpose sake. It is the use of his name because we are his ambassadors. We are carrying his reputation in the earth. We are carrying his authority in the earth. We, we've died to our name. It's kind of like when a woman gets married, she loses her old name and gets a new name. That's part of it. She dies to her old name and takes on this new name. This is, this is what it is to be a Christian. The best way to think about it, or one way to think about it, is um, our Secretary of State. Secretary of State is appointed by the President as an ambassador to the world on behalf of the President and on behalf of the United States. Our current Secretary of State is Anthony Blinken, and I just read this in Wikipedia about him. Here's what it says. Anthony Blinken, the newly confirmed Secretary of State, has worked with Joe Biden for almost 20 years. And many describe him as having the closest personal relationship with the president of anyone, anybody in the cabinet. 
They forged that bond in the field on a tremendous number of foreign trips they took together when Biden was the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, but also through a U.S. presidential campaign. They shared the shared experience of personal loss and ties between their families. The reason why the president needs one of his best friends to be the secretary of state, somebody that he's got this relationship with in battle, in sorrow, in that there's this relationship forged together is because the secretary of state is carrying the president's heart, the making decisions on behalf of the president. And whatever the secretary of state says, if he makes a deal, the, he is the United States. All of the resources of the United States are behind the secretary of state when he makes a deal in our name. Now, what also goes with that is the full provision and protection of the United States. Do you know what they do when our Secretary of State is in a, in a dangerous place? There's security all over them. Why? Because if something happens to the Secretary of State, it is an attack on the United States of America, and it is one that will always be answered. Secretary of State, when he's traveling abroad, everything's provided for. <laughs> Everything is provided because he is going in our name. He is the president's representative in other countries. So this is what Jesus envisioned for you and I. That we would have this relationship, this intimacy with him. That we would know him in battle. Paul says uh, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. Paul knew him in the power of his resurrection. And that I might know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. That we, we know him because we've gone through intimacy of, of, of darkness and difficulty. And we've come through the, the valley of the shadow of death. And we found him faithful. And this, this intimacy is forged with Jesus. Why? Well, because God loves us. But he doesn't just love us. He loves everybody around us. And he wants us to be his ambassadors. Heaven's ambassadors on earth. He wants us to know as we live, not for our own name, our own reputation, and try to use God so that we can get ahead, where we die to ourselves and say, no, I'm available now for your name, for your purpose, for your glory. Here's what Jesus says, I've got you. The full resources of heaven are behind you. You go out knowing that you have my name. Know this, if there's an attack against you, if hell makes a strategy against you and they touch you, they just touch heaven and that will be answered. We are his ambassadors. He has given us his name. We are, we're, we're not from here, folks. We're strangers and foreigners here. Our citizenship is in heaven. 
We, we are representing another country, a heavenly country. The authority of intimacy. So here's, here's what James 4, 7 says. Submit to God. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So the seven sons of Sceva try to resist the devil without submitting to God. God has made a wave of salvation. God has made one way to be saved and that is through the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and us coming to Christ, us giving our lives to Christ. To submit to God today means to acknowledge that I cannot save myself, acknowledge that I am a sinner, acknowledge that even though I'm a sinner, I am loved and that Jesus died for me and accepting Christ as, as both Savior and Lord. That's submitting to God. They haven't done that. They're trying to resist the devil without submitting to God. And it is a mess. But it's interesting, isn't it? The devil, devil's got two strategies. One is to try to get people to not believe in him, to just totally ignore him and think it's just all fun and games and there is no real darkness, there is no real devil. And the other one is to get us to focus on him, to, to get us to be afraid of him. And so in this situation, that is the strategy. They, they, these demons beat up this guy and word goes around everywhere that this guy got beat up and here was the effect that it had. All of the believers that were dabbling in the occult all of the believers that were dabbling with darkness became terrified because, oh my, the devil's real. Demons are real. We need to get our life right with God. You know what? God's kindness leads us to repentance. But if you don't come that way and you need to get scared into repentance, that works too. And sometimes it just takes this, this awareness, oh my, uh, there is a spiritual battle going. There is demons are real that terrifies you enough that it's like, I need, I need to clean up my life. So these, these are already believers, but they're compromised believers. And they decide we need to get everything out of our life that is a draw for darkness. And they bring all of their magic books, they bring all their incantations, they bring all of the stuff that was plus Jesus, and they burn it. 50,000 drachmas of silver, that would be $6 million, and they made a huge fire. And they burned all of that stuff. So here's, uh, here's what I feel like God wants us to do today. He wants us to look at our own lives 
And he wants us to get rid of every entry point that we've made for darkness. It can certainly be the occult. It could be you have got occult games. It could be occult music, occult movies. Anything that is celebrating witchcraft, celebrating demons, celebrating, you know, harmless. Listen, can you really take that chance? Jesus has complete authority over the devil. devil. The devil, the Bible says, was disarmed of his authority. So his power now can only be manifested if he's got a hook in us. So we have to get rid of the hooks. What are some of the hooks? Hmm? Self-pity is a huge hook. Just stroking yourself with self-pity. Poor me, poor me, poor me, poor me. You, watch out, you're making a place for darkness. Unforgiveness is a huge hook. You get in, you get offended, and you hold on to your right to be angry, your right to be mad, and you've just made a hook for darkness. You just made an opportunity for darkness. Pornography. Struggling with lust. You, you, you got you to gotta get rid of the porn. You gotta, you, if, whatever you have to do, if you have to go off your phone, if you have to get a, a, some type of a filter on your phone, you do what you need to do to get that thing under the fire of God. Addiction. <laughs> get rid of the drugs. Get rid of the alcohol. Whatever it is, get rid of it. Don't just get rid of it. Cry out to God. But if, and if, the, if darkness has you and you're playing with darkness and you're allowing darkness, you need to deal decisively with it or you're not going to walk in the authority that Jesus wants for you. 